Hello and welcome to another episode of our science fiction and fantasy podcast, The 47th Hour. I'm Toby, and I'm joined by my co-host Steve. Hi. And Guy. Hello. Today, we will be taking a look at some classic episodes of science fiction television, entering new items into our halls of fame and shame, and I'll also see if my co-hosts can correctly identify if a TV series was really broadcast in our new segment, Sci-Fi or Sci-Fake. If you enjoy the show, remember to follow the podcast so you can be kept up to date as and when we drop new content. Remember, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the 47th hour. So, let's get the show started with the news. Um, Have you, either of you, seen that there's a new Alien TV series in development? Wow, no. Yeah, it's going into production in 2023 and it will not feature the character of Ripley. Apparently it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. So the fact it's not going to feature the character of Ripley, do you think that's going to work? No, I don't see the point because she is, she is alien. She's the whole reason she's the mother. She's the DNA of the alien. No, without Ripley, what's the point? I just, I, 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 I need to know more before I, you know, get on board with that. However, it's not going into production until 2023. So I'm sure between now and then we'll find out more. Um, Netflix has also confirmed that Stranger Things is to end after season five. Have any of you seen any of Stranger Things yet? The release of season four will be on May 27th. Yeah, and wow. May and July is in two parts. Yeah, I know. I, I don't want to be one of these people that always brings news that I'm not really excited about. But <laughs> I, I, when I saw it, the news and I, and I was like oh stranger things has come in and I thought like I don't know I, I I have I have watched a little bit of it it's not that I didn't get the premise and I and it's, it I just didn't excite me it didn't keep me interested um I, I wasn't really bothered about a lot of the people on it I didn't really get invested in their whether they lived or died and there didn't seem to be any, any consequences for the actions that, that they take and it just seems to be a little bit meh. When I saw that as newsworthy, I just thought I'm not I'm not overly excited about the fact that it's coming back to Netflix because I didn't really enjoy the five episodes that I watched anyway. Are you saying you didn't enjoy Winona Ryder going a bit crazy in season one? Winona Ryder is crazy, and that's just. <laughs> um, Steve, have you seen Stranger Things? I haven't seen it, but I do want to ask a question. Would it have more seasons had the seasons run concurrently, as in one after the other? Because it seemed to me it, it became um, very popular very quickly, and mm-hmm. then it was on for ages. So would it still be going if it, do you think, if it stayed on TV and became more relevant? No, no. In my eyes, what it, what net, see the thing is, is when Netflix double down on something, when they think they're onto a winner, what they do is that they take the series and wait for it to be viewed about five hundred million times, and then think, oh, that's popular, not realizing that they released it like three years previously, and the they they're you know they've got a small sort of audience that seem to think that it's worthy of watching it over and over and over again and so they think oh well there let's do a season two and and that's that's netflix in a bottle for you i mean i'm i i it, in my opinion i don't think it's that great a series and i like i say it's, there's no 
I watched five episodes back to back and it didn't compel me to watch any more. I watched all of season one, loved it. Season two, didn't think it was quite up to par, but I haven't like been drawn in to watch season three yet. It's like season five of Fringe. I've never got around to watch it. I want to watch it, but there's nothing drawing me to watch it. But you're, you're this, it's just that. It's just, it's just meh. That's it. Mm. I love Fringe. I absolutely love it. But season five, I mean, I know, I know that you haven't seen it. I'm not going to watch it either. Yeah, I've heard that. So it's just like one of my best shows. So we've also had an announcement that there's a new Star Trek movie reuniting the Chris Pine crew due in 2023. I know Who's directing it? I'm not sure yet. But if it's J.J. Abrahams, I'm not watching it. They're not Star Trek films. They are action films with, with a little bit of space thrown in. It's not a Star Trek film. Yeah, they're not my favourite kind of films, but they're not bad. They're okay. Yeah, they haven't got oh, Star Trek. At heart. Don't, don't don't get me wrong. If you took me to the cinema and said we're going to be watching an action film, and there might be some space in it, I'd be like, oh, all right, <laughs> and I would enjoy the film. But you took me to the to, to the cinema and say you're going to be watching a Star Trek film. That is not what he he delivered. Mm. I've got to say, I'm much more excited for Strange New Worlds than I am that film. Yes. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the last piece of news I've got is there's a brand new Buffy novel called Big Bad from Lily Anderson due in September. Now, the reason I want to bring this up is it actually sounds good. The book intends to flip the world of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on its head. This adult book is set in an alternative reality where Sunnydale is now called Demondale and the villains of the original series reign supreme. The Hellmouth is open, Anya runs an evil juice bar, and Ripper runs the magic shop. And they even join forces with the town's evil to stop the big bad from entering their town. Who is this big bad? Wow, it's Buffy Summers. Doesn't that sound good? It does sound good. <laughs> yeah. I would it. So I'm going to definitely be getting a copy of that when it comes out. <laughs> sound good, yeah. I did watch something couple of weeks ago this nun gets special powers and i can't remember the title of it. it's a, it's a netflix flick series warrior nun it's, it's i've watched the first episode i thought it was very good um i i i am impressed with that yeah, actually i i was i was be- thought i'd watch it beginning to think i'm gonna absolutely hate this and just knock it off as just another pilot episode i've watched that's wasted my time but actually i i did like the fact that the character grew on me that i was intrigued to find out what happens next um it wasn't too religious in that respect that i thought that they would be you know punching home all of the horn of holier than thou stuff and actually it's 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 quite good it does does sort of steer around that sort of subject fairly well and i will get eventually get round to watching you know some more episodes of it but the first three episodes i watched i really rather enjoyed i think i got halfway through the first episode and was just like this is a mess oh yeah but the, oh it is a mess you're right but I think that kind of adds to it because once you you realise exactly what's going on and and where things are going, you kind of think, ah, oh, I want to follow this story arc, and you should give it another go, Toby. I think I think um, the thing is, is it, 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 it sometimes it just 
just like slightly touches the borders of and and the or the realms of just you know mind-numbingly this is just unbelievable kind of stuff but then because of the very nature of the science fiction element of it kind of makes it more tolerable that way but yeah i, I think uh you should, you should definitely give it another go hey i was searching for something to watch the other day on disney plus and i thought i would give marvel's eternals a chance yes i'd seen the reviews but i thought i would still give it a go it's without doubt the worst marvel film it's two hours and 37 minutes of total disappointment it's an absolute mess imdb give it a rating of 6.4 and that is extremely generous. It spends way too long jumping around eras across time, trying to desperately establish the present day events taking place and takes over an hour to reunite the team so they can form a plan to stop the end of the world. The characters, whilst powerful by design, are ruined by weak acting and a lacklustre script that fails to deliver the usual Marvel spark. Just to put across how bad I think this is, Salma Hayek, plays the leader of the group isn't in that much of the film and somehow ends up as my favorite character it nothing about this film has any redeeming value i realized quite quick i did not connect with these characters didn't care when they were suffering and found one character an eternal stuck in the young form of a young girl more annoying than naomi wildman from star trek voyager just avoid this at all costs oh wow just oh, um, literally, okay. my advice is avoid it at all costs. Okay, I I would I would almost say that this film was made to make Captain Marvel look good. All right, so would you rather have Buffy the Vampire Slayer recast, but Brie Larson as Sarah Michelle as as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or Lindsay Krause as Catherine Janeway? Ooh. Who's Lindsay Krause? Maggie Walsh. Yeah, actually, I think she would be, as an actress, I think she would be quite good. Uh, I, I think I would rather have the lady that played Professor Walsh as Janeway, because I think actually she would probably make a good Janeway, and I wouldn't want Buffy recast at all. Uh, I agree, because I feel that if Brie was to take on the role of Buffy, I would be then siding with all the villains of Sunnydale. <laughs> so I would see that then as, as a completely other TV show though wouldn't you you'd see the watcher as the evil keeper of evil <laughs> <laughs> and you'd, you'd like really hope that Drusilla and Spike would drag Relarson and push her down the hell mouth or something wouldn't you <laughs> so yeah I think I'd rather um, the Janeway definitely in my mind. Before we do the broadcast bit, you know, what was broadcast this week in history, it's a section that I'm calling sci-fi or sci-fake, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm basically, I'm just going to describe a TV series with the title, and then the um, synopsis, and a little bit of background, and then you've got to try and tell me, without looking at your phones or cheating, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Toby, I'm holding my phone! Whether you think the series actually it did happen at some point, it was real, if that makes sense. Okay, that sounds fun. So this this week's TV series is called Hard Times on Planet Earth. What do you think that may be about? (laughs) Are you asking me? Because 
no clean answer is going to come out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any ideas? Well, hard times on planet Earth. (laughs) Steve, have you got an idea of what you think it might be? No, no idea whatsoever. (laughs) Oh, are we going to guess? I'm going to give you a bit of background, okay? Okay. The synopsis for the series is... An alien elite military officer is exiled on Earth with an overseeing robot eye that will assess how he reforms and interacts with the human population. It was a low-budget CBS comedy, aired from March 9 to June 1989, and starred Martin Cove from Cobra Kai and Danny Mann. Um, their adventures included fending off alien assassins, stopping a soldier from falling back into gang life, joining the cast of a local TV show called Wally's World, and Jesse becoming a candidate on the dating game so he can help a bachelorette avoid making a bad decision. Whilst at times the comedy worked, it often failed to hit the mark, resulting in low ratings and cancellation after only 13 episodes. Is that real, or is it fake? Do you know what? It sounds, it sounds like <clears throat> they watched Third Rock from the Sun, and that they decided that they could probably cash in on that um, and make something similar, but with a slight different twist. So I absolutely believe that's real. Even though it yeah. aired in 1989, before Third Rock from the Sun was a thing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't realise it was aired in 1989. I didn't hear that. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Real or fake? Real. Yeah, I think it's real. You're both correct. <laughs> that was actually a thing. And yeah. if you would let, actually watch some of the episodes on YouTube, I mean, when I say it's bad, it is bad. Um, the, the overseeing robot eyes, like, do you remember, like, early Power Rangers graphical effects, the CGI? Oh, yeah. It, imagine that that was state of the art and it's this it's this giant pink floating eye that follows him around and it is just crazy it's not good you can't see the stick it's on can you no i don't think you can i think it was computer generated for the time oh okay so i think for the time it was probably actually really state of the art but nowadays it's just bad um so now we're going to look at some episodes that were broadcast this week first up i want to talk about sliders the Exodus Part 1, which was aired in 1997. Basically, this is the one where the sliders land on an Earth about to be destroyed by the radiation of a pulsar and are forced to help a military unit fix their sliding technology. Uh, meanwhile, a mystery man is placing people into a coma. Um, do you remember this one, Guy? Have you seen sliders? Watched it all. Um, do you remember this episode? I do remember the episode. Not, I'm not, uh, not, not, not overly well... Because uh, it was a long, because I watched it when it was aired, so I've been mean, watched it since. But it, yeah, I, I, I seem to remember the um, the scenario though, and um, it wasn't a standout episode as far as I'm aware. I can I can't remember a lot of the detail, but it's the one um, that introduced um, Captain Maggie Beckett, and also was the beginning of the end of um, Maximilian Arturo because John Rhys Davis had decided to leave the show. Oh yes, yes. As much as as much as that, they were kind of tuning it, uh, tone uh, like coming to a, almost steering it towards the end anyway. Um, I think that's, I think that's probably where it went downhill. I think John Reese Davis was one of the main sort of, sort of linchpins of that particular series. Um, if once he'd gone. I kind of, I mean, admittedly, there were a, a couple of other big things that happened along the way in that in, in the entire sort of series that that did kind of steer it off course. Mm-hmm. But 
when John Rhys Davis went, it just felt like it lost its way, and it was kind of I almost pleased it came to an end. It's okay if you change one of your sort of mainstay. I don't, I don't mind you changing one character, but if you're changing two, you're almost changing the entire program, especially when your cast is that small. I mean, the especially... only one that was left at the end was um, Rembrandt, wasn't it? He's the only yeah. one that got to the final episode, which is just yeah. crazy for a TV show of that kind of. Well, thing. I and mean, also this episode featured Roger Daltrey from The Who. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even realise that. Yeah, he played um, Colonel Rickman. Oh well, I oh uh, yeah. I... I think I think when you because they changed um, they changed Quinn for his brother was it? No, his brother joined um, to replace John Rhys Davis. I think it was a couple of episodes later, wasn't it? Yeah, next, I think it was the next season or something. And, and um, um, he wasn't very good. Really. But and then no, they both left. He was terrible. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and they replaced um, what's her name? And uh, Sabrina Lloyd Wade Wells. She was... yeah. Wait, yeah, eight. Yeah. That was it. And um, I just, just like, well, I don't mind you maybe swapping one out, but when you're swapping the entire cast, right now, with with a small cast anyway, it's just kind of not the same series you started watching. Mm. And there's a whole point in you becoming sort of, you know, invested in the characters is that you see the the end of the story arc of the character and the way that they wrote those characters out in the way that they did it was just it felt like it was a bit short-lived and you just felt like well that's well, it like, i was so really really annoyed with the way um arturo left the show you know he was the intelligent character he was a professor and then okay it was you know heartwarming in the, you know you, it pulled at your heart string sorry to um say that he was having his brain taken out and going into a coma now that was just sad. It was just sad to see him in that state for the little bit before he died. And it was just sad. And also Wade Wells ending up in a breeding camp. It's like, what? Yeah. It was almost like the actors asked for more money and the writers school thought like, nope, we're going to put you in a breeding camp. Yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? It's it's like like you say it's just it's just there are sad ways to get rid of really really strong lovable characters, mm. um, and it was it was for me it was just a way of making sure that I didn't really care about what happened in the, in the remaining of the series. And have you um ever seen it, Steve? Um, I've not seen enough of it. It sliders used to be on before something that I used to watch, and I'd always catch the end of it, but um, I never it never really interested me. Mm-hmm. Um, it always seemed to be like whenever it was on, it was just these three people, mm. right? And and it was just like it was the same three over and over. And I was just, and it never really grabbed me. And the episode you're talking about as well, I seem to remember at the time there was a lot of controversy because the guy that wrote the episode was the guy that died. Yes, that's correct. But it was rewritten like a hundred times, completely taken out of context. So mm. what the original episode was, no one except that actor knows. But um, I remember I remember being a lot of in the press about it. He'd written it a certain way and mm. was up that they changed it to something that he didn't even recognise as his own work. Yeah, I think he was at that point though, he must have been quite relieved to have left the show. Yeah. Yeah, I would have thought so. Like I said, it, it, it's, it's something that didn't appeal to me, really. Even watching the little bits that I watched, mm. it never really... There's no, there wasn't a character that grabbed me. No, none of the um, female yeah. characters are really very strong or stood out. They were very generic. So, 
the I, I think when if and, and one of the problems you've got there is that back back then when when you watched a science fiction series as, as as established as spiders or or quantum leap was if you're only watching the last sort of like few minutes essentially so you're watching sam leap into another body and and finding himself in a funny like sort of scenario or you're watching the guys get to the get to the sliding port portal just in time as they normally used to you know so really you're kind of not getting the uh, you need to watch the first little bit to understand the the kind of um the 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 mess they get in to find you know the the, the way through or to the, the pickle that they need to try and resolve before they get to to where they need to be so yeah back then it was kind of the, the last few minutes weren't really a, a great insight as to how the episode has gone. So you were a bit unlucky, Steve, in that way. Yeah, yeah. Weird that you mentioned Quantum Leap because the next two episodes are actually parts one and parts two of a two-part story. Um, you, if you've watched Quantum Leap, any fan knows these two episodes very well. Return of the Evil Leaper and Revenge of the Evil Leaper aired back to back in 1993. Guy, you must, if you've watched, you must have seen these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're awesome. They're awesome. The, they they really really clever. Um, I I will I will say that um, I I didn't actually get to watch it when it was aired. Um, but the uh, is it Neil Patrick Harris is in it? Um, uh, and it, it just, is it, does he does he is it Neil Patrick Harris? Um, I. I don't know, we've got Renee um, Coleman as Aaliyah or Aaliyah, I can't remember her name, which is really Ooh. annoying. She's the evil leaper. And then you've got Caroline, oh sorry, Caroline Seymour, who plays Zoe, who's like the equivalent of Al, and she is delightful. She's perfectly evilly camp, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it, oh, it's been such a long time since I've watched uh, watched it. Um, I, I seem to seem to remember the... the um, the, the Jeopardy in it, but I'm just trying to remember. Um, oh. Part one, uh, Return of the Evil Leaper. Sam leaps into the College of Fraternity and again, again meets the Evil Leaper Project. Um, and in part two, after saving Alia from the Evil Leaper Project, he is trapped with her in a woman's prison with the evil observer Zoe in charge as the prison warden. See, that sounds right up Steve Street. Female prison? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Sam leaps into Neil Patrick Harris's body, I think. I think that's what that is. In part one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the 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 college frat thing that he was he was into, mm. and and that's where he meets Aaliyah. Um, oh, yeah. It's 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 all a bit it's all a bit sort of hazy to be perfectly yeah, fair, but I just love them both. I love both episodes because it's the way they reintroduce her again when they touch each other, and you're like, oh, brilliant, she's back. Um, and you're not sure whether she actually does want his help. Um, and then at the end of it, he manages to the kind of use the quantum leap accelerator to pull um, Alia with him. But they're not sure where they are. They've kind of lost them. So you've got Al trying to find out where they are, trying to locate them to begin with. And you've got Zoe who's honing in on them. And then she ends up leaping into a person. She gets her own hologram, who is um, called Thames. He is brilliant in it. Yeah, I remember. I do remember. I do have like a, I can remember the jeopardy surrounding it all, and 
it it was as you say you know it was it was very brilliantly brilliantly done um and and there was um he didn't know who to trust sort of thing um exactly. it was it was a uh, edge of your seat kind of thing and back then that was really nice to have when you when you actually had some um you you sort of cared about the outcome of an event whereas nowadays there are certain science fiction series where they they grab a a, a a subject matter and then just repeat that rinse repeat rinse repeat rinse repeat at like, the point it becomes cliche and predictable yeah um yeah. What, what's the series that's got walter o'brien in it that's um essentially exactly the same every episode uh walter o'brien very a team of like super nerds fixing natural disasters and stuff oh. no idea scorpion scorpion oh I scorpion see. yes yeah, see, that's that's they they've got one concept. They ran with it, but the series was fun. It was you know, put your brain to the side and enjoy TV. Oh yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I I watched I watched several seasons of it, um, but it, it's you know they didn't really falter from that one thing. Um, it, it, not to say it wasn't it, not saying it wasn't successful, but when you go back to the, the Quantum Leap episodes, it was just that little bit something different. It wasn't exactly the same thing as you'd watched in the previous episodes, where Sam leaps into a body, he fixes the issue, then he leaps into it, you know he leaps again. It was that little extra extra little thing that I added into it. It was nice. Oh, they could do they could do a comedy episode, they could do horror, they can do suspense, thriller, anything, even dramatic, historical, like the JFK K ones. Yeah. Anything could go in that. And that's why Quantum Leap to me is one of the top sci-fi shows because you can do anything with the format. Mm. You know, the only thing I don't think I saw them do off the top of my head was have, you know, I think it wasn't the Quantum Leap Accelerator set in two thousand and odd. It was like two thousands, wasn't it? Mm. He went back in time. But he always went back in time from like the eighties backwards and never the nineties. Yeah. So they could have taken the opportunity to, to do the, a couple of episodes set around current day, nineties, but they never did. Um and we've got one more thing, guy, just briefly, because I know this is gonna stab at you this episode. So you you wanna talk about it because you'll probably want to vent. Okay. It aired in nineteen ninety three and it's the pilot episode of Babylon Five. It's called Babylon Five the Gathering. Um... <laughs> Right, so <clears throat> right, clear my throat, breathe. <laughs> so, if you want to watch something that will make your eyes bleed, your ears hurt, and give you a migraine, watch Babylon 5. <laughs> Are you um, I was going to say that was quick. No, well, the thing is, it's not so much the god-awful, terrible plotline. It is the ham, rubbish. I, and I mean, like, I've, I've watched nativity plays with better acting than Babylon 5. <laughs> The, say, the, I, the, even though the, she's not in this episode, I did like Ivanova. She was brilliant. Now, now I, I'm I'm also going to say I've probably I would probably let my 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 nephew of four years do the makeup 
for a science fiction series and have a better result than Babylon 5? <laughs> uh, one thing I have to say that I did enjoy about Babylon 5, and I did watch the whole lot. I know. I know I'm crazy. Um, I did enjoy the fact that it wasn't episodic, okay? Each episode sort of kind of rolled into the next. There was a season arc. It was, and I found for 1993, that was very much ahead of its time. Now, I know some very, very poor college students, okay? Right. I'm sure with a £5 budget, they could have made a better costume design than anything that Babylon 5 came out with. So... I'm not saying Babylon 5 is crap. I'm saying Babylon 5 was bloody terrible. Okay. Well, another good thing that they didn't do, okay, was you never had any of those two going faster than light and having lizard babies. Okay. <laughs> Look, the thing is, is that I did have something lined up for my Hall of Shame pitch. Oh. But now... You've changed my mind. <laughs> do, you, do you remember this, this um, an operating system about 30 years ago called Windows 95? Yeah. yeah. Right. Windows 95 had one screensaver, the stars going through space, right? That's yeah. the level of graphics that Babylon 5 used when they first aired. It was just terrible from beginning to every department. They were just winging it. They just didn't care. It was just bloody terrible. Okay. Steve, do you have anything to add? About <laughs> <laughs> Babylon 5? Yeah. I found some of it very interesting. Uh, Lita Alexander was one of my favourite characters. Um, no, she's a I, telepath, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Her and Bester, the whole storyline between them was brilliant i loved all of that um especially the point where she chased him off the station i thought that was brilliant i think they got quite a bit wrong do you know what i mean i think i like the shadow war i think they messed up a little bit with telepath war i that's where yeah. i started to lose interest because mm. uh, I, I thought the telepath war was not well written um i thought they could have done something they could have just done something so much better than what they did I completely, it completely turned me off Babylon 5, actually. I, do, I don't recall watching too much after it. I think it went very um, political, didn't it? And then it was all about getting back to Earth and overthrowing the government and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, it, it, it's like, I just felt like the telepath war was the worst thing of the whole, whole series. And that really turned me off Babylon 5. Mm. Uh, and I think the guy, Londo, with the, with the big hair, he didn't need big hair. <laughs> I get you trying to be different, but that, when you haven't got enough money, you've just got to use hairspray. <laughs> hairspray and shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah, no, Babylon 5 wasn't too bad. I think five seasons, it was five seasons, wasn't it? I think that was enough. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. They managed to get five seasons out of that dross. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, no, no. I, no, see, no, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite certain I'm probably going to get under a sort of a, a little bit of flack back for the fact that I'm, I'm really dogging it back. I did actually give it a go. It's not like I just like watched 20 minutes of it and just thought this is dross and turning it off. I watched quite a few episodes and there was one episode where this lady was avoiding having sexual intercourse with an, with, with an alien. And so she decided that because he didn't know anything about human anatomy, that she would just make up some crap about 
uh, about how love making happens and with humans. And yeah. she, 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 so she goes into this room. She sits there and she starts making these sort of moaning noises and go, "Yeah, that's how we have sex." It's like, well, he's not going to look that up. Not what I mean. The levels of idiocy that began to even write that shoddy. Oh, yeah. I, you know how much I want to swear right now. It's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I didn't like it. <laughs> so that's not on your um, list of something to go back to. Then, no, <laughs> no. That's a flat no. <laughs> <laughs> you should be like, I'm offended. You even brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of putting you in the hall of shame, Charles. <laughs> that's for mentioning it. <laughs> And now it's time for our Hall of Fame. Each of us gets to nominate anything from science fiction or fantasy that they believe should be preserved for eternity in the Hall of Fame. It can be an item, a character, a place or a series. Anything goes. Last week, Guy won the vote and the Dr. Sonic Screwdriver was the first item to be placed in the secure vault. Let's see what items we have this week. Guy, since you won last time, you get to nominate first. Now... To bear with me here, I'm I'm going to put in my my pitch for the Hall of Fame is Alexis Denisov's portrayal of Wesley Wyndham Price. Now, I'm not voting for that. Wait, 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 wait. Let 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 me let me just now. They the writers knew they had to make this person be a snivelling annoying, weedy idiot. I think Alexis Denisov plays it brilliantly. So much so, everybody wanted like him to be hit. Everybody wanted him to die. Everybody wanted him to be the, like have a downfall and, and they, he played it brilliantly in so much so that you just you just you, you really really hated him. And and I think I think that's just that is I don't want Wesley Wyndham Price to be put in. I want Alex Denisov's performance as Wesley to be put in because I think it was just so brilliantly played. Even when he was in Angel, when he got a bit darker and a bit gritty, hmm. I, I still think his, his portrayal of that was actually really rather brilliant. Um, and because you even he went from being that snivelly little git that you wanted to have his downfall to being somebody actually slightly torched slightly damaged uh, in 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 angel mm-hmm. so i i i actually that's why i it's just his portrayal to go into the not necessarily the character itself i thought it was a bit a bit meh but the fact is you 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 got, got everyone to wish him uh, ill will from buffy and then to almost turn it round when it got to angel I just, I think, I think it was, yeah, I think it's worthy of, it, of it at least a shout. Okay, okay. Um, and Steve, what do you have for us this week? The um, Transwarp Hub mm. episode of Voyager. Um, just because that must be amazing, in the sense that anywhere in the galaxy you can go like in the blink of an eye feel like you've got to travel down a transport corridor but you don't do you know what I mean you're there like so quickly you know it took like Voyager like one and a half minutes to get 
pretty much home. You know, so I thought I thought the um, Transwarp Hub, being able to go anywhere in the galaxy whenever you want to, would probably be the best thing. Although I would say it's got exit apertures and entrance apertures, obviously. So I guess if you go somewhere with an exit, you don't have an an entrance hub. Mm. Might be technically might be stuck there. So that's possibly the drawback. Oh, so you're it. saying you can't enter and exit at the same point? I can't remember that. I don't know. No, you can only have, um, you can, there are exit apertures. But once you've right. exited the aperture, you can't. So, for example, Janeway, she would actually need to find another transport hub to go back to Portland. Right. That's the only, they had to give it a drawback, I suppose. Otherwise, it would just be too. Board would just be everywhere in an instant. Yeah, they'd just be absolutely everywhere on top of everyone all the time, just popping out at Earth every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, yeah. I thought they did a did a really good job with the transport part. So it's like my that. Um, mine this week actually comes from Star Trek Discovery. Okay, it's not the whale thing, is it? No, I wouldn't dare put that on you, Steve. <laughs> I want to enter the emperor of the Terran Empire, Philippa Giorgio. Um, she's Ooh. played by Michelle Yeoh and is awesome. Uh, whilst yeah. the prime version of the character dies in the opening episode of the show, her mirror counterpart is absolute delight. She's intelligent and extremely dangerous. She will outmaneuver any foe with ease. She can handle herself in any fight, and I love it when her mirror universe instincts rise to the surface. Um, you'd think that being put in a mirror universe and then flung far into the future... This would put her to disadvantage. However, it doesn't. When do you remember the guy in the um oh when she's been interrogated at Starfleet Command mm-hmm. and um identifies as her as Terran and then she starts flipping her eyelids to, to, to wipe out the holograms and everything. I mean, yeah. she just deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, literally. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's, it's that interrogation scene is so brilliant. Mm. It, it really is. Even even from the other actor too. I can't um, remember his name. He's really famous. He, he says, you know, um, well, I'd ask you a question, but I know you're not going to answer the questions. So the only information I'm going to get is from listening to the questions you ask. Yeah. And it's just really him trying to stay ahead of her when she's already ahead. And it's, it's just mm. brilliant. The whole scene is very, really well done. Yeah, but yeah, she has is she's brilliant. That's that is to me is her best scene. But she is brilliant throughout the series. Um, and one of the main reasons why I kept watching Discovery. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got to be honest, I stayed with it because of her as well. Um, and now she's gone, I'm a bit like, well, season four is on air, but yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I've seen, a, just, I've seen a, um, an interview with her um, on YouTube, and um, she is still um, waiting to find out what's happening with... Section 31. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and up for doing doing that that type of thing she loves the character so um, i think it will come i think section one will come and i'm hoping that at the same time they take the opportunity to bring um uh janeway back to life action and have the two of them going around the galaxy (laughs) right so i'm i'm definitely not going to be voting for guys submission here well you didn't really argue against it but there you go uh, well, first of all, okay, right, I don't like the character. 
But yeah, he sucks. But Alexis Denisov did that. That that but that that actually means he did his job. So uh, your your argument is that actually that proves your point. Yes. Mm, I think that is a good a good argument because the, I really hate that character. <laughs> That's it. This is why he that, that, that I'm like I say it's the it's the betrayal that he gave, and, and because everybody dislikes the character so much, he did it brilliantly. Yeah, and if we nominate Koe next week for the Hall of Fame, that's going to go down. <laughs> I don't know. Can we not? Can we allow a portrayal of a character to get in? Because that's not in itself sci-fi, is it? Well, or yeah, okay. Oh, no, no, no. All right. In in which case, I do you know what? I'll, I'll concede on that on that front because technically his portrayal was not technically sci-fi. But um, yeah, I'll, all right, I'll concede. Okay, and now I've got a funny feeling you're going to vote for the Transwarp Hub because I said you couldn't enter yours. <laughs> uh, no, 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 not necessarily. No, look, <laughs> my problem here is, is that I'm, I, I aren't, I'm not in as far into Discovery as you guys are. So the spoilers thing kind of meant that I now know a little bit more about what's going on. But um, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of Discovery, so I kind of lost track of of the. Of, I, I kind of I, I sort of tuned out after I watched far too many really weird looking Klingons trying to you know come on my screen. They were um, bad. Oh, they were terrible. But um, before they started ruining ruining other races and stuff, I kind of just started tuning out. But um, so I I can't really marry up to the, the sort of the character you that you're. You know, but I have to say. Michelle Yeoh, obviously, I'm very familiar with her with uh, you know, other science fiction and, and and stuff. So I understand that obviously that, that that's she's going to be a big draw. Mm. But um, my 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 only issue with the trans warp hub is is that the fact that it it kind of seems like it it just seems. Not no one. Maybe maybe it's a, a plot device. I'm not sure, but it just seems convenient that the Borg are aware of the only one. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, but but they're not the Bodwara as well. Yeah. It oh yeah. It isn't just the Borg. Um, it, it, there there are other uh, the Bodwara um ran. I think the Bodwara ran the original tunnels from what I remember and they went stasis for like eight or nine hundred years and when when you watch the episode um dragon's teeth yes you know look at the borg they're now mm. all over the place they would that you had a, like you know he said tell seven of nine you had a fraction a tiny fraction of space to what to what you've got now mm. so they're obviously the vodwa obviously had um technology like you know they had the tunnels 900 years before the borg so you just think you know they obviously weren't even worried about the Borg at that stage, but um, yeah, um, so all right. Not... Well, that, I tell you, tell you what, then I, you know, that that has convinced me. I'm I'm going to vote for Steve's Transwarp Hub. Yeah, I I I kind of agree. I think the idea of a Transwarp Hub definitely allows for easy access, good travel, and also stops you having to worry about warp drive or using the spore drive as well. Doesn't it? Don't start me on the spore drive. <laughs> And if everyone uses the transport hub, there'll be no more lizard babies. 
You don't know that for certain. There might be lizard babies all over the place, and you just don't know where they are. They're just not filming it, and David Attenborough's not doing commentary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) So last week, we placed the Enterprise's NX-01's grapple hooks into the Hall of Shame. So let's hear this week's nominations. As I won last week, I'm going to go first. This week, I would like to enter the PS4 and Xbox One game, The Avengers. It's awful. Bad character design, limited character choices, has no replayable value, and is littered with microtransactions. You would think that having the opportunity to make a game using a top-tier entertainment brand such as The Avengers would be hard to mess up. This is an absolute disaster of a game and should burn in a sun for eternity. Okay. Very well put. Steve? Um, I'm going to put a film in. Um, okay. And I'm going to put in The Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars. Okay. Um, there are, you know, I could get Raptors, there's probably other Star Wars films that could probably go ahead of it. But this one just, this one to me felt like a, a little bit of an insult to your intelligence. Um, late in the movie, you get to find out about the um, Star Destroyers hidden beneath um, an ice cap. And they all have, um, apparently there's thousands of them, and they all have Death Star lasers. So if you can imagine thousands with Death Star lasers that can mm. blow up planets. It's like, it's beyond ridiculous. Like, why would you have that? It doesn't even make sense. You know, they would just be able to, if they had that, they would just be able to rule anything. Um, The other thing as well is to destroy those, to destroy the planet with all those supposed vessels on, the rebel fleet like comes out of nowhere. And we're like, okay, Lando wasn't gone that long, but he's certainly rounded up like a ton of ships to do it. Then you go on to find out that Rey is the granddaughter of, um, Palpatine, and you're just like, okay, okay, so now the whole Star Wars saga comes down to a fight between two family members in the Palpatine line. It just gets more ridiculous as, as you go on. And Luke and Leia, who knew about Rey's lineage, supposedly, all the time, mm. they're like, what? Uh, hello, why didn't you say something earlier? You know, don't worry. Uh, Leia dying for no reason. Um, the Knights of Ren. Hashtag spoilers. <laughs> Well, I think it's I think it's been out long enough. So the, the Knights of Ren was supposed to be this major organization, was supposed to be really dangerous. But actually, all they were there for was mm. to explain how Kylo got his second name. That is the most pathetic thing ever. That's it. That's it. They were actually just there so you know how Kylo got his second name, Kylo Ren. And it's just like okay, that's crap, you know. And then uses the force to resurrect Ray, and you're just like, okay, so the force has now become so powerful that it can just do anything. Um is this is this the film where um all the Star Destroyers are getting um blown up yeah. and the fleet gets destroyed and Leia's yeah. on the ship and then she uses the force to fly across space to another one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm putting it in just for that. You're getting my vote straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just it's just like, 
And even they try and they even try and misdirect at one stage where Ray's fighting down on the planet and she blows up one of the escaping there's two things that are escaping. One of them's got Chewie on. And you let it believe that Ray destroys the wrong one. And it's, and obviously it's a misdirect, it's a, it's a red herring. Yeah. And you think he dies. It's just like even that it wasn't believable. Mm. It just wasn't. It's just like you know that Chewie was on the one she didn't destroy because why would they kill Chewie? You know? <laughs> we can't kill Chewie because that's like RSPCA will get involved now or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just found like all of it, the whole the whole thing. Um, CP, I could just go on. CP3O gets his memory wiped, then he gets it back, and you're just like. Jesus Christ, do you know what I mean? And I could go on for another five minutes about all the other stuff, but I'm not mm. going to. I'm just going to tell you that the Force, not only can you travel, like you just pointed out, all the way across the galaxy or whatever, it brings people back now. You mm. know, there's no dying in Star Wars. Star Wars just use the Force to bring them back. Um, it, I just, yeah... The whole movie just needs to go in the hall of shame. It, it really is an insult to intelligence. Okay, okay. And Guy? My 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 pitch for an entry, the hall of shame, is Professor Maggie Walsh from the Buffy universe. Okay. Professor Maggie Walsh ruins the name Professor. She is such a dumb tart that she just can't figure out. Like, like the thing is, if she could she put together the initiative? Really clever lady. So she knew about demons. She knew about monsters. But she thought the Slayer was a myth. I mean, pick up a book, love. That is your actual job. I mean... Library full of books could have just gone to the local high school and learned about the slayer. No, no, she was as stupid as the day is long. I mean, I and one, not not only that, right? I know she was obsessed with her Adam thing. There, there is some really cuckoo people out there that think she was. On the forces of good. She fought Buffy. She tried to kill her. On more than one occasion. How in the world. People think that she was on the forces of good. I have no idea. Professor Maggie Walsh. Doesn't deserve the title professor. She was a dumb as a spade. <laughs> she really was. I can't, I can't emphasize enough. How bad a character. I also think Adam was terrible as a, a villain, but I kind of liked the fact that it, he was like, you know, a mix of all the different monsters and it actually created a, a little... But as a, as a an archetypal villain, she was terrible. They got rid of her badly. It, it, it was just... She was just a massive waste of space. And the worst part 
of the that particular season of Buffy. Not the worst part of Buffy entirely, because that goes to Michelle Trachenberg. We only have room for one entry to the Hall of Shame here. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I, I'll, I'll, I'm leave, I'm leaving Michelle Trachenberg <laughs> the key for another uh, entry because I've got a feeling I might lose this one to the Star Wars thingy. So uh, Professor Maggie Walsh is my entry, uh, or or my uh, my submission for the the Hall of Shame. Um, okay, well, I'm going to say with Maggie Walsh that... Uh, I'm pleased you didn't say Professor Maggie Walsh because she doesn't deserve that title. I did. <laughs> that, that was on purpose. Um, yeah. You could argue that maybe she did know with some backup plan in place or something that just never came, you know, to the forefront. But with The Rise of the Skywalker, that was intentional. They intentionally released that film and they intentionally did it and wrote it that way. And I find that more insulting than just one character that actually is just part of a bigger picture. The actual series of uh, Buffy itself is great, if that makes sense. But the the film, Rise of the Skywalker, is not. Therefore, I think my vote's going to go towards that. Sorry, guy. Nah, well, uh, the thing is, is there were some really, really good things about Buffy, and I I liked the series. It was just that, like I said, dumb as a spade professor that ruined the name Professor. I think with the whole Star Wars thing, I haven't seen it. Didn't know Leia died. Thanks, Steve. I've never really bought into the whole Star Wars franchise. Um, I, I, Alice, that's not. I'm not sort of like, oh, I'm because because I'm a Trek fan. I'm not a Wars fan. There, there just seems to be a little disconnect for me with the whole Force thing because you you're kind of led down a certain path as to what the Force is. Right from right, right from, I was gonna say right from the very start, but. Right from episode four. I mean, who does that? Four, five, six, one, two, three, whatever. Um, so you've led down this kind of path as to what you believe the force to be. You know, with even with like the 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 uber powerful with with Emperor Palpatine, and you know his like you know electric lights and coming out of his fingers, and you just think, all right, well, if that's the extent of the force, and he's like the all great might and powerful, and then. They introduced this Snoob or Snowed or whatever his name was in, in like uh, the earlier episodes. Um, and it's like, okay, so now what is the ceiling of this power? And you never really understand, uh, and it's never really explained with regards to what the full powers of the Force. So I think the only real reason I can, I can try and argue against Steve's entry here is the fact that there's never really been like a, a a a backstory or an origin story of of the force itself. So we're never really given an idea as to what the full extent of what you can do with the force. Admittedly, it sounds like a lazy plot device, like a, a lot of things are. But it, I mean, with that, with no kind of real explanation as to what the potential of that force is, or depending on how powerful the being using the force could potentially people bring back for the dead, we don't know. But mm-hmm. it, I think that would possibly be the only reason why I would say kind of explains away the reasons why Leia can all of a sudden just you know, use a Star Trek teleporter to go from one place to the other and, and call it the Force. But, you know, it's just... Um, I, I, Yeah, it's the only reason why I can possibly say that that is why I don't... I think maybe... As far as your entry, Toby, I, I didn't even know they made the game. Um, <laughs> Sorry, 
to be perfectly fair. Um, I was completely unaware of his existence, but that's probably just a piss poor advertising of, of the of the makers of the game. But I I, I would say that um they, they they've made quite a few Avengers games, right? What what was the premise of the game? Uh ba- basically, you just go around and you fight the same like I think there's three different types of enemies in the game. That's it. The same robots over and over again, like arenas over and over again. You know, massive open plan um, areas. It's just quite relatively limited, and you're also guided in quite a lot of it. Um, basically, they just want, wanted to try and make some sort of on always online element to the game, and they were hoping that people would kind of buy microtransactions, buy outfits. So, like a power. cross between a cross between Dynasty Warriors and and um, sort of World of Warcraft sort of thing. Um, but I would say Dynasty Warriors has a better fighting mechanic than in Avengers. Dynasty Warriors, you had like quite a few, lot, lots of characters around you, lots of enemies around you at the same time, and you had the abilities. This, you didn't. You just had to kind of spam it. And there may be like five or six characters on screen at one time, maybe up to ten if you're lucky. They just shoehorned the microtransactions in at the expense of story, and it lost all of its replay value. Once you've played it, you, you don't want to play it again. Whereas yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy game, you know, my ne- my nephew plays that. He loves it. It's only like 15 hours long, but he said he's played for it like three or four times. He loves it. It's funny. It's It's got everything you want from a game, whereas the Avengers has nothing you want from a game. Mm. Well, if I can't vote for myself. Um, well, I'm I gonna... vote for the Rise of the Skywalker guy, and I, 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 I would guide you that way as well, happily. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I think, actually, uh, because of the force thing, Steve, I'm going to vote for Toby's. Wow. Okay. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like like I say, because there's no origin story of how powerful the force could be or as to what its potential could be, I kind of think that a lot of that is explainable. So I think, I, I, think, You can think of the force as like um, an MMO, if you like. Um, it's, it's definitely multiplayer because you can transfer yourself to any world you want to in a faraway galaxy and have a duel with anyone you want. So you just, you just think of the Force as an MMO. If you, if you get hurt, you can use the Force to heal yourself. If you die, you can use the Force to resurrect. Where's the subscribe button? <laughs> <laughs> Guy, you're not putting the Force into the Hall of Shame. You're putting the you're film right of Skywalker. Is that right, Steve? Well, Is yeah, I know, but... The thing is, is that one of one of Steve's main arguments is is that that like the, the force is kind of you know rise making people rise and stuff like that. But um, then it's because of the the absurdity of the nature of the film is kind of surrounding Ryan the Force. And as much as that, because I haven't seen the film itself, and I say it's a, a worse Star Wars film, but it was just, it was just the audacity, you know, like all those. All those ships with the with the Death Star lasers, like just no. Mm. You know, it would all be over there and then, wouldn't it? If they all had that, surely. You know, all hidden under an ice cap. Like, oh come on. Yeah, but Steve, have you seen all the Transformers films? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's a Transformers film with one of the one of the uh, Decepticons in ice on Earth. Just hashtag. First, isn't that the first one? 
Oh, I don't know. It's the first one. It's this yeah. is probably the second one. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth. <laughs> don't really know. <laughs> They've made too many. <laughs> um, it's like Fast and Furious now, isn't it? Just oh, on yeah. and on and on. Just like, I mean, some of the titles to some of these films as well. They're just like, wow. Transformers 10, Freddy's Revenge or something, you know, whatever. That would be a weird crossover, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, that, but it, like I say, because of the ambiguity of the force um, involved in that film, I that's why I've said that I'm going to vote for Toby's because it's unexcusable to make a game that terrible. Yay, two weeks on the trot. Brilliant. <laughs> well... Uh, the thing is, I voted for you. You voted for Steve's. Steve, your vote? I'm going to Toby by default because there's no way I can vote for a guy after that rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm a prime call of shame right there. You couldn't even see it. But no. if you did a three-way tie, we'd all go into the hall of shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we've got to... We haven't established that, have we? We have to establish a rule for what happens if it's a three-way tie. But just put more in. Yeah, just cram them in. Open the door a bit, bit wider. <laughs> Slam the door shut. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, that's it for this week. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to follow the podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Forty Seventh Hour. Thanks for listening.